0: Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast, a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Each episode is taken from a chapel message given here at Emmaus. For more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. Well, good morning. It is a pleasure to uh, be able to be here and to Uh, share with you this morning Um, it is great last time I stood behind this pulpit here was at the iron sharpens iron conference and uh, most of you weren't around so it's good to be able to identify with you all I have a very important message I want to share with you today and it you know we have a lot um, going on in our country Uh, there's a lot of confusion uh, about freedom and the pursuit of freedom Uh, And so I I just believe that we need to take a step back and try and understand this from a biblical perspective and that's what I would like to do today. I told Brooks that um, I think I'm trying to bite off a cow much more than I can chew in 30 minutes Uh, but I will be around the campus today. I don't leave till tomorrow so if you have any Uh, questions or you want to tackle me on anything I say you can uh, have that opportunity to catch up with me today but let's pray and ask for God's wisdom Heavenly Father we thank you again for you and for all that you do for us and give us understanding now as we think about the implications of your son setting us free and we'll give you thanks for that in Jesus name amen You know, in 1776, those of you that are history uh, buffs know that that was the Independence Day. And uh, let me see if I can back this up a little bit. Get back to uh, the beginning. There we go. Uh, Yeah, in 1776, we have the, the pursuit of freedom here in America. As a matter of fact, America was founded on this pursuit of freedom from the, you know, the tyranny of the king in England, you know, the freedom from taxation without representation, uh, all of that. People came here in the pursuit of freedom. And so it was and has been in our DNA as a country for us to desire that kind of freedom. But not long after that, in 1789, there was another revolution. And that revolution was the French Revolution. And in Paris, uh, they desired a whole different agenda. Their desire in the French Revolution was for equality. And they, they saw the Catholic Church and the monarchy there in France as an oppressive uh, you know, institution. That needed to be done away with in order for the average peasant to be able to rise up and have this kind of equality and so there was this revolution in Paris just a few years after our revolution here the fact of the matter is that that revolution in Paris never really grabbed a hold in Paris but the spin-off of that ended up with uh, Russia and China you know, uh, pursuing this idea of equality, and equality was the goal of that whole revolution uh, that took place in Russia and China. The problem is, is that in their pursuit of equality, they exchanged the freedom for equality. They were willing to do away with freedom in order to attain equality, and so we have Uh, dictatorships and autocrats and despots that are rising up around the world and they're promising equality but in exchange for that for that equality there is a loss of freedom and so the question still remains then how can we have freedom with justice how can we experience freedom and justice at the same time and it has sort of eluded mankind to this point in history where we have not been able to balance those two things. History has shown us that exchanging freedom for equality has not brought mankind any kind of fulfillment. On the other hand, here in America, when we have exchanged, we've given up on equality in pursuit of freedom, and what we found ourselves with is the homeless sleeping on the streets, racial tension in our cities, unequal education in our cities, an opportunity that varies depending on what zip code you live in. And so there has been, uh, in this pursuit of freedom, there's been a lack of justice and a lack of equality. The text here in John eight thirty six points us to the fact that freedom is only fully and completely found in Jesus. Now, I know y'all are quiet here in Emmaus, but in Philly, that's where the amen comes in. It's only found in Jesus. And if the sun sets you free, then you will be free indeed. That's what verse 36 says. And when he says that you will be free indeed, what I take that to mean is that you will be fully free with all the ramifications of the freedom that he provides, which includes the justice that we all seek after. Jesus paves the way for us to experience both freedom and social justice. It starts by understanding the relationship between the Mosaic law and the freedom of Israel. What took place there at Sinai after Israel uh, left the bondage of Egypt? Now, I don't have time to get into that. that. would That's another whole lesson in itself. But I want to tell you that there is a lesson there to learn from the nation of Israel as they came out and experienced freedom after Egypt. And the son is the one who provides that for us. Let me say something else, and that is that because we have exchanged uh, freedom, we've exchanged equality for freedom, Uh, What ends up happening is that we find ourselves in a bind. We find ourselves in a situation where where, uh, nothing seems to work out. There's this tension in our society. And what's happening now in America is that there is this tension between those who value equality and those who value freedom. And you can call it left and right and up and down But it's a tension between the value of equality and the value of freedom. And what I want to tell you is that the only way to put those two things together is through the transformation that Jesus Christ brings. All I'm saying is that freedom, the freedom that Americans have sought after, the freedom that we as Americans value can only be found alongside social justice through the transformation that Jesus brings. And intersectionality shows us that to wipe out the oppressor, as some people suggest we should do, to deconstruct the oppressive institutions in our society uh, is going is to help us. But let me point out something. When sinful, write this down, make sure you remember this. When sinful man deconstructs sinful institutions, which probably need to, some of them need to be deconstructed, But when sinful man deconstructs sinful institutions, he only rebuilds it with other sinful institutions. Did you get that? And so it is impossible for us to transform our society simply through, as the critical theorists would say, through this kind of deconstruction. You can, you know, well, let's look back at history real quick. When Abraham Lincoln... Uh, gave the Emancipation Proclamation, he deconstructed the institution of slavery here in America. But after a very short period of Reconstruction, it was transformed into a long period of Jim Crow and segregation and redlining. And and while one evil institution was torn down, it was only rebuilt by sinful hearts, another sinful set of institutions. And so deconstruction of our society is not the answer. Uh, It's not you can defund everything out there and it's only going to be rebuilt with other sinful institutions as long as man is sinful. Intersectionality tells us that you can't just wipe out one piece of the of the group because what's going to happen is everybody falls under this sin, this curse of sin. And so the oppressor turns out to be all of us. And You know, it's not just black people or white people or rich people or poor people or refugees, uh, but all of us turn out to be oppressors, and we need to have that taken care of. So real quickly, what is the answer? Am I... Uh, Well, we need to back up a little bit. Let me see if I can. Okay, there it is. The first thing, freedom with justice requires truth. I'm going to run through this very quickly. It requires truth. And truth requires the word of God. Truth requires that we understand God and we have a good theology of man. Otherwise, uh, we're we're living in la-la land. You know, all the fervor that you hear in the country about critical race theory. Well, the problem with critical race theory is that the simple problem is, while it might, you know, talk about some aspects that seem to be true and pull out things in our society that are observable, the fact of the matter is, it is a secular theory that tries to explain the issues and the racial tension in our society without a view of God and without a view of sin in man's heart. And let me tell you something. When you take God out of the picture, what you end up with is a lie. It can't be true if it doesn't include God. And whether you're talking about CRT or evolution or, you know, some other form of humanism, if you take God out of the picture... It's a lie. It might be partly true. There might be some aspects of truth in it, but it's a lie. And half a lie is still a lie. Half a truth is still a lie. Uh, You remember Abraham, right? And when he went down into Egypt and he tried to tell the king that, uh, you know, this is my sister. Well, that was true, but it wasn't the whole truth. And when you don't have the whole truth, what do you end up with? A lie. And so that's the problem with these secular theories that are trying to explain the tensions that we have in our society because they're trying to explain it outside of who God is and what God can do. And all I'm saying is that it requires truth. If we're going to have freedom and justice, it requires truth. But freedom with justice also requires a common morality. In order to experience freedom, you have to have a moral code that everybody agrees to. A moral code in a society is almost like a language. It's like, you know, in order for us to understand each other, we all have to speak the same language. Are you with me? And so, and so a moral code that we can all rally behind uh, puts society in a way that we can all sort of be on the same page. And if we're going to have freedom, we've got to have that kind of moral code and a moral accountability in order for us to experience any kind of freedom. When everyone does what is right in their own eyes, you end up with over 500 murders in Philadelphia last year. You have uh, this gender crisis where we don't even know how to talk to each other and what pronouns to use. We're, We're like talking past each other. Uh, We have politicians and mob bosses muscling forward their own interests. Uh, We have unruly passengers punching stewards at 35,000 feet. Uh, We have all this chaos in the world. Why? Because people want to be free, but they're not operating with the same language. They're not operating under the same moral code and moral constraints. And so the first stop that Israel made when they were in the wilderness after being freed from Egypt was to acquire rules of the road, what we call the Ten Commandments, a moral code that God handed down. And they were able to experience freedom under the rules of the road that God had handed down, that common language that God gave them to use and operate under. And Jesus has revealed to us a particular uh, way—that moral code that we can follow and lead us to true freedom, without sacrificing justice. The problem is that there's something inside of us that wants to do what we want to do. The Bible calls that sin. We have this natural desire to please ourselves. And freedom can never be experienced if everybody is out there just trying to please themselves. And that's where we are in our world today. Everybody wants to do what they want to do and uh, without any moral constraints. Uh, You know, if you get in my face, I will knock you out. And I can can tear you down. And I don't care what anybody says because I'm a free agent. Uh, If it feels good, it can't be wrong. All those expressions that we hear just give voice to the fact that we want to do what we want to do. But since this God-given moral code does not come naturally, we must be held accountable in order for all of us in a society to experience freedom in a just society that God has for us. Let me move quickly, and there's a lot more I could say about that one. But freedom with justice also requires love. It requires love. We will never have true freedom without love for God and love for others. To the extent that we fall out of love with God, that he's not in first place in our lives, and our neighbor, and who's our neighbor? It's everybody out there is our neighbor to the extent that we don't love them as much as we love ourselves, we are never gonna have this balance between freedom and equality. Love is all about giving. Love, I'll give you my Tony Hart definition of love. Love is the total giving of yourself for the welfare of the other person without requiring anything in return. Now, I didn't say without expecting anything in return. We have expectations of each other. My wife, when I finish here, expects me to come back home. Amen. But the fact of the matter is that my love for my wife is not contingent on her meeting all my expectations. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Love is a total giving of yourself without requiring anything in return. It's not tit for tat, it's not quid pro quo, it's not I'll love you as long as you're scratching my back. Uh, Love is a giving of yourself it is putting the other person and their needs first. But here in America, our freedom says, I come first. I'm gonna take care of numero uno, and if you're out in the street somewhere, that's fine. You can stay there. If I have an extra nickel, I'll toss it your way. But true freedom with it your way. But true freedom with justice is requiring a transformation of our heart where we put our neighbor as more important and at least on equal level with ourselves. Oh, you're not hearing me. But the opposite of love is selfishness. The opposite of love is selfishness and that's pretty much where our society is right now. Selfishness and its siblings like pride and jealousy and covetousness are all at the heart of the human condition that hinders us from realizing true freedom in a justice-ridden society. Let me move on. Freedom with justice also requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice. As we uh, just noted, love is giving and giving requires sacrifice. Um, My son, Who's, he teaches Bible at Messiah College. Um, he was invited to be a part of a faith thing at the White House yesterday. There were like 40 faith leaders that they each had like two minutes each. I don't know what you can do with two minutes. But, uh, but he was able to, to be a part of that and express, I think it's just you know, pro forma to get these faith leaders speaking into them. But the fact of the matter is, that it, their whole thing was about this whole idea of reparations. You all heard of the controversy over reparations, right? And uh, so on the one hand, you got the white saying, I ain't giving no reparations, Are you crazy? You got the blacks saying, oh yeah, we need reparations. Well, the fact of the matter is that sacrifice and love calls for forgiveness and so the people who were wronged in the past need to learn how to forgive and move on. Are you hearing me? The people who, were, who, who observed those wrongs, whether you perpetuate or not, you need to be willing to love and care for and be willing to sacrifice to right those wrongs. Now, I'm not saying that that needs to be in the form of some cash payment. I don't think there is a cash payment that can right all the wrongs in our society. But it does mean that I need to be willing, if I see somebody that needs help, I need to be willing to sacrifice to try and help that person. Whether it was their fault, or you think it was their fault, or not their fault, or society's fault, we need to be loving and caring and willing to sacrifice to help people who need help. Boy, I could spend some time on that one. But the fact of the matter is, that unfortunately because we are in such a selfish place in our society there is an unwillingness we don't want to pay another dime to help anybody else we want it for us I want it for me well you all don't pay taxes yet so it hasn't hit you yet but it will it's coming and the fact of the matter is that even our our help, whether it's through the government or through our church or through uh, our individuals' lives, we need to be willing to sacrifice to help. And Jesus is the perfect example of living a life of sacrifice for our benefit. He laid down his life. He suffered through pain. He lived homeless so that we could have an eternal home. He gave generously to help the poor the blind, the women, those that society look down on. And we are called to pick up the mantle of Jesus and carry that mantle forward in our world today. Instead, we find so many not even willing to be inconvenienced. Uh, We we give up uh, on even tithing to support the Lord's work. Uh, We give in on on going even beyond any kind of sacrificial giving that outside of maybe our church. I have found, you know, I, I was telling Brooke, our radio program is on over 150 stations now. And we depend on the gifts of the Lord's people to support that effort. And what I've found is that as the generations come, it used to be like the older generations, they would just give to support the Lord's work but the younger people today they want you to sell them something you know sell me a cd i'll buy the cd i'll buy you know i'll i'll pay for something but i'm not just reaching down into my pocket to give and it puts a whole different dynamic i think that what we've got to do and you all have an opportunity to turn that around in your generation to make sure that we are Loving and willing to sacrifice to see the word of God go forward and, uh, and to see people get help. And I'm going to close with this, and that is that freedom with justice, will this move? Oh, no, no you're not dismissed. <laughs> One last quick minute. Last, but most importantly, freedom with justice requires a miraculous transformation of God to set us free. It's not going to happen by deconstructing our society. It's not going to happen by trying to do away with all the things that oppress us. It's only going to happen by a transformation in the heart of man, which only God can do. And it starts with you and with me. It starts with each one of us individually. It's impossible for us to experience freedom until the sun sets us free. And the pursuit of freedom from taxation without representation, like at the Boston Tea Party, was essentially a selfish endeavor. The importation of slaves in America was essentially a selfish pursuit. The oppression uh, of the powerful in our society is essentially a selfish pursuit even the the effort to try and tear down the one percent so that we can redistribute all that is essentially a selfish pursuit and everything that man does outside of God working on his heart is essentially a selfish pursuit and so it requires a total transformation of our hearts It it requires God working in and through us in order for us to be the example to follow Jesus into the world and lead a different kind of life and a different kind of example. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, these few thoughts that I've thrown out there to these young people, Lord, we ask that you would cause it to be embedded in their hearts, that they would allow you to transform each one of them. All of us, Lord, need that transformation work. Help us, Lord, to allow you to set us free that we can represent the kind of freedom that pursues a just world, a loving world, a world where you are king until you come and sit on the throne and provide true freedom with true justice. And we'll give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partner.